Welcome to the weekly podcast from Spring of Life Church, located in the heart of downtown Portland. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. For more information, visit us at springoflifepdx.com. Amen. If you are excited to be here, say amen. Oh, I am so excited to be here this morning. Um, I, I just love the city of Portland. The food is great. My wife and I, we went on a helicopter tour uh, late last night, and that was so beautiful. We got to see so much of the countryside. Uh, I just absolutely love being here uh, in Portland. This morning, I have a big question uh, that I want to talk to you about, uh, and I want you to, to walk away asking yourself this question. Uh, And I want to go ahead and give it to you here in the beginning, so that way you can be thinking through it during our time together. The question is what you'll see on the screen. The question is this. What would be missing if you were missing? What would be missing if you were missing? One of the things that I love about Portland is that uniqueness is is an attribute that is very much accepted. As a matter of fact, it's encouraged. So uh, I grew up in the South, in Georgia, uh, and in the high school that I grew up in, Um, You kind of wanted to really fit in with like different people groups. You didn't really want to kind of stand out I I was kind of a shy guy in high school So I always wanted to try to blend in with uh, maybe these people or this group or or whatever it might be Uh, But I heard something from a guy this week that I was talking to I was talking to a man a young man named Travis uh, and Travis said one of the things that he loves about Portland is that uh, you can be different in Portland, and it's completely accepted. As a matter of fact, uh, he, he told me this. I, I have his quote here. He said, uh, people won't judge you for being different. Actually, they encourage you to, to be different. And I got to thinking about that, and it really resonated with me this week uh, in that God loves difference as well. God loves uh, all of us to be different because he made us different as well. As a matter of fact, if God loved difference so much, uh, you can really tell by the amount of different types of of beetles that there are in the world. Did you know that there are 350,000 different types of beetles in this world? Did you know that? Isn't that crazy? Let that sink in for just a moment. 350,000 different types. I mean, personally, I think we probably could have got with like got by with maybe like 50,000 types. I don't. We probably could have settled there, but God's like, no. I like a lot of difference, so we'll make 350,000. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it was because I grew up on on the Lion King and seeing Timon, you know, reaching under a log, grabbing one and eating it, saying it tastes like chicken. That's Maybe that's where that that fear kind of comes from with those things. But, uh, you know, Mark Twain once said uh, there are two different uh, significant days in a person's life. He said the day that you were born and the day that you figure out why. You know, growing up, I wrestled with this question of what would be missing if I were missing. See, I grew up with some insecurities in my life. I already told you that I was uh, a bit shy, but uh, I am literally the most average, normal guy you're ever going to meet. Uh, and I mean that, and that is no joke. So growing up in Georgia, we had something called standardized tests. Now, standardized tests are like a universal test that everyone takes at the same time. Um, and basically, it's like a, a gauge to see where you compare to your peers uh, also in that same grade at that same same time. And so I never really worried about taking these tests. As a matter of fact, they were graded off of three criteria. Uh, you either were above average, you were average, or were below average. And so growing up, I never worried about these tests. I had 
schoolmates and, and friends that were so nervous about it. They want to do well on the test. And, and every single time for me, I kept saying, well, I'm going to do okay because I'm going to be right in that average range. And every single time I would get my results back and I would look at them and right there in the middle is me, boom, right in the average range. I wasn't above, I wasn't below. And, and actually it was kind of that way in sports too as well. See, I was never like the first person picked in sports, but I was never the last person picked either. It was kind of like, oh, I'll okay, I'll take Andrew, it's fine. You know, so that was always brought into that, you know, at some point. Matter of fact, a few weeks ago I went to the doctor and, uh, and so I, I go in and, and I'm doing my yearly checkup like the insurance tells me to. I'm trying to do what I'm supposed to. So I go in uh, and I stand on the scale and the nurse looks at it and she doesn't really make a reaction. She just writes it down. And, and I said, well, is that normal? Or I said, is, is that good or bad is what I said. And she said, eh, it's about average. <laughs> so then she took my blood pressure. And of course, I don't know really the scale on the blood pressure either. And so I look at the scale and I'm like, is 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 that okay? Is that good? Is that bad? She's like, it's about normal. So it's like, man, every time I just have these like little things of just, I'm just an average normal guy. So I've really wrestled with these insecurities of God, how did you make me different? What, what do I bring to the kingdom that, that you have wired me for in such difference? And I love uh, what first Corinthians uh, says in chapter 12, the Bible says this, it says, for just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, uh, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but, but of many. I mean, look around. That's what we see right here. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand... I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of, of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, just as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet there's only one body. You see, Paul is telling us in 1 Corinthians that God has uniquely made each and every one of us so different. And it's because of those differences that we all serve in this greater picture of God's kingdom. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, think of like a, a, a pyramid uh, and think of like, let's say a pyramid is made of many different stones. And uh, what Peter says in, in Acts chapter four, he says that the, the highlighted stone there, that's that's the cornerstone. Well, that's Jesus. He's the cornerstone to our faith. And if you pull that one stone out, the entire pyramid falls. So it's all resting on on Jesus. He is the cornerstone to our faith. But you see, each one of those stones are, are very important to the overall formation of the pyramid, and God has made us uniquely uh, each in that way. So let me ask you this. How has God made you different? What would be missing if you were missing? You see, we can often struggle with this notion of, I don't have anything to offer. I'm just an average, normal guy. Or God can't use me. I feel like I'm a nobody. Sometimes we can struggle with that as well. 
But in the Bible, we see uh, many examples of a very distinct people who uh, God had made in, in such a unique way, uh, and he used them in such a profound way, and we see that all throughout the Bible. So I want to highlight three this morning, uh, and we're going to turn our Bibles to Acts chapter 16, uh, and that's where we're going to be getting uh, our story from today. So uh, in Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas and Luke kind of on their missionary journey, and, and they come to a city called, called Philippi. And so when they get to Philippi, uh, the Bible says in verse 12 that uh, it's the leading city in the district of Macedonia. So uh, Paul and Silas are, are hitting the streets. They're telling people the good news of Jesus. They're sharing the gospel, uh, and they're telling people that there's salvation found in Jesus. And so all of a sudden, uh, they, they come to uh, this, uh, this group of ladies, and there's a, a group of ladies that are, are praying and when they get there, uh, they meet a, a, a lady by the name of Lydia. The Bible says that uh, she's from Thyatira. Uh, and in verse 14, it says that she is a, a seller of purple goods, which means that she was a, a businesswoman who uh, sold fine clothing for maybe a high price. Uh, so it's anticipated that Lydia uh, was like maybe a, a wealthy lady. Uh, very intelligent, very, very prosperous businesswoman. As a matter of fact, many scholars believe uh, that, that Lydia may have had like a, a big house. She may have had uh, some people that live with her to, to help her, like some stewards of the house, like some servants that would help her and they would live there. Uh, and the Bible says in verse 15, it says that uh, after she was baptized uh, and her whole household as well, she urged us, Luke saying this, she urged us saying, if you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. So Luke is, is writing, and he's telling us, he's saying that uh, Lydia is, is a very hospitable, very caring, very loving person towards others. And so when she meets Paul and Silas, uh, they, they share the gospel with her, and she gets baptized. And immediately, what does she do? She, she takes them to her house, and she's like, hey, you've got to tell all of the people that live with me, we got to tell my whole family this good news that you just told me. So not only was she successful, maybe hospitable, uh, and possibly very wealthy, but she was what we call an evangelist. In other words, when she heard the good news of Jesus, she wanted as many people around her to know it as well. So she brought Paul and Silas home with her and said, hey, we want you to stay with us. We're going to cook for you. We're going to take care of you. Uh, and we're going to make sure, and by the way, I want you to share uh, this good news that you have. I want you to share it with everybody in my house. So God used her in a very distinct way to start to build the church uh, in, in Philippi. And that's where we see uh, in chapter 16, that's what we'll see. So the next person we're going to look at is a, a, is a person that the Bible says in verse 16 is a, is a, a slave girl uh, who was demon-possessed. So let's look at verse 16. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, these, are, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, uh, and it came out of her that hour. So take a moment and think. Now, you, basically, this, this young lady has had a very rough life. Uh, no doubt she had 
maybe a lot of uh, struggles that she had been through, probably a lot of pain in her life. Uh, she had a lot of things that, that maybe we could even relate to today. And she was uh, enslaved to some really bad guys uh, that did not care about her. They only cared about the money that she, that she made them. She was basically like a, a circus act, if you will, to these guys. Uh, and so uh, what does Paul do? Paul commands an, an evil spirit to come out of her in the name of Jesus. Uh, now think about what this young lady's thinking. Her whole life has been basically dedicated to her profession, what she was doing, which was like doing fortune telling and, and things like that. Uh, think about now all of a sudden that's kind of been taken away from her. She's been freed from this bondage that she's been experiencing. And, and now all of a sudden she's heard this good news of Jesus. But think about her story. Think about how God can use such a powerful story just like that. Uh, a, a, a lady that was uh, now free from slavery. She was free from the evil that was inside of her. And she was able to tell other people about Jesus. How powerful of a story is that? And not to mention, think about the, the, the intricacy that she would have in building a church such as what we see the formation of the Church of Philippi happening right now. Think about maybe her role in that church. Think about if she wasn't there, there would be a huge hole missing in that church. Think about this. When someone would come uh, and maybe they have had a hard life as well. Maybe they had struggled with a lot of the things that maybe she had struggled with. Think about the amount of compassion this young lady would have for someone who would come in and, and just be willing to share their story. Not to mention she could kind of walk that person along through like a discipleship process and, and really help them to understand that God can use your story in such a profound way that others need to hear it because he has given that to us and he's made us, like, made us that way in a very unique way. So let me ask you this. Can you imagine uh, what, kind of, what kind of person she would be and how important she would be in that, that, that building of that church? I just imagine how uh, she would be such an important role, an important part in such a church like that. So later on, we look in verse 25, uh, we see the, the next person that we're going to talk about that Paul uses to, to build this church in Philippi. Um, and so we see this, this jailer. And so, uh, of course, when you go into a foreign town like Paul and Silas have done, uh, and all of a sudden you're, you're kind of stirring things up and you're going against the status quo, uh, that could probably land you in some, some, some trouble. So that's exactly what happens to Paul and Silas. In verse 25, they end up uh, being in, get, finding themselves in jail. So what do a couple of missionaries, a couple of church planners do when they get thrown in jail? You think they sat there quiet? They definitely didn't. Let's look at verse 25. The Bible says, And after uh, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all of the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. So Paul and Silas start praying, they start singing, and then all of a sudden this amazing earthquake happens and everybody is basically free. Verse 27 says, When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword uh, and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, and he rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, 
and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Then he brought them up uh, into his house and set food in front of them. Uh, and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. Now, the cool thing about this jailer, so the, the, the work of a jailer, the job of a jailer was kind of looked at as being maybe like a, a blue-collar guy. So just your, your everyday average Joe, a guy that I could probably relate to pretty well. Uh, but the Bible doesn't really give his name. So we're just going to call him Blue-Collar Joe. Okay, y'all all right with that? So we're going to call him Blue-Collar Joe. Uh, so Blue-Collar Joe, uh, he is the, the jailer of this prison that Paul and Silas are thrown in. No doubt, Paul and Silas had probably been, been hurt. The Bible says that he helped them clean their wounds. So uh, the jailer, uh, when this incredible earthquake happens that God created and God had allowed to happen... Um, the jailer gets nervous because he thinks, well, something's going to happen to me because now I've let these guys go because he thought that they had escaped. But actually what happened was all of the prisoners were still there, and, and the jailer says, okay, this is incredible. I know about you guys. I know what you've been doing. Tell me how I need to be saved. Think about, think about this jailer now. This jailer has... Uh, he's a blue-collar guy. More than likely, he's, he's like your mixter, Mr. Fix-It. Uh, he's the guy that you can rely on. He's like your, your Mr. Dependable for everything uh, that, that you can really uh, rely on, even when it comes to, to church, especially when it comes to, like, setting up and, and cleaning up. And he's like your, he's your, your backbone of your church. He's the guy that uh, you know is going to be there. Uh, he's going to be there with a big smile. He's going to be greeting everybody. Uh, he's the guy that... That really is just 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 holding it all together uh, and God saves him uh, in his entire house and not to mention uh, he's very hospitable in what he's doing he invites uh, Paul and Silas into his home and he he helps them he feeds them he he cleans their wounds and so uh, I feel like I can relate to the blue-collar Joe pretty well I feel like he and I we might have like the same spirit animals what I'm thinking so let me ask you this question what if you found your purpose? What if this week you prayed for God to show you exactly what your purpose is in both this church and for his kingdom? I met a guy this week named Mondo uh, who was backpacking from, from Canada, or I'm sorry, from Mexico, and he was going to Canada. Uh, and Mondo and I, we had a good 40, 45 minute conversation. It was a great conversation. And Mondo told me, he said, he said, I have to get, um, I have to find my purpose before I can have a relationship with Jesus. And I told him, I said, Mondo, you have to understand uh, that, that Jesus doesn't care if you have everything figured out or not. As a matter of fact, he, he's not saying that you've got to figure everything out before you can have a relationship with him. Uh, as a matter of fact, he just wants you just as you are. In Proverbs 12 uh, and 15, the Bible says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. You know, there have been plenty of times in my life when I personally have tried to control the situation. See, I'm a guy that likes to plan. I like to, uh, I like to know. I like to say, okay, give me all the details. Let me know what's next. And I need to know what's next after that and after that. Uh, and what I have found that every time I try to control my own life, I've, I have found that I can mess it up sometimes. I make mistakes. We all do, right? 
But if I give God control of my life and I really find out what he has for me, that's when my life is set the way that it's supposed to go. And that's when God is in control. And then, yeah, of course, things are going to happen. I'm going to stumble and it's still going to rain on me. But that doesn't mean that God's not in control and he can take it and completely run with it. So let me ask you this. What if you found your purpose? What would, what, how, how would that change you today if you found your purpose? Or maybe how would that impact you tomorrow? And when you find your purpose, what are you going to do with it? Just like I read in 1 Corinthians uh, earlier about the body having many members, uh, and each member serving a different purpose, uh, that is the case with us in our service for the kingdom of God. See, when, when God reveals your purpose to you, what are you going to do with it? Are you the backbone like Blue Collar Joe? See, I think Blue Collar Joe was like the, the backbone. If you think of the body illustration that, that Paul has in 1 Corinthians, I think of, I think of Joe as, as kind of being the, the backbone. He's the, the one that holds it together. He's the one that probably can carry the most amount of weight. Uh, he's the one that probably gets maybe hit and, and hurt the most, maybe as far as sore. Uh, but he's going to be the one that holds it all together. Or let me ask you this. Are you going to be uh, like the... The, uh, the, the, the slave girl that we talked about a moment ago where maybe she was the heart of the church of Philippi. You know, she would have such compassion for people in their story uh, and she would be there to, to support uh, and to encourage and to bring along and say, hey, it's okay that you've had this life. It's all right that it's been up to this point. But guess what? God can save you from that. He can cleanse you from that and he can use your story in such a powerful way and others need to hear that. See, I think... I think the, the girl that is described uh, here that was following Paul and Silas around and yelling things at them and uh, was, was possessed, I, I really believe that she would have been the heart of that church of Philippi because she would just be the heartbeat uh, that would feel it. Or maybe you're the brains of the church like, like Lydia was. Lydia was a, a smart and successful and generous person of the church that helped move things forward. She's kind of that person that uh, we, we might say as pastors, we say she's the one that's moving the mission forward. She's, she's very missionally focused. She's very missionally minded. She's looking to not what's here today, but she's seeing what is a couple of weeks from now? What is a couple of months from now? What is a couple of years from now? So let me ask you, what would be missing if you were missing? What if you found your purpose today? I really want us to walk away this week and really be praying, God, what have you wired me for? I'm unique. I know that. I know that you enjoy that you like differences because I see that in all of the people that are sitting around me. And I see that all in nature as well. So, God, you have made us different. How did you uniquely wire me? See, each one of these people were very instrumental in the formation of the church of Philippi. Each one had a different gifting. And if one were missing, it would be a big hole in that church. See, if you, if you don't have the backbone, well, things can just tend to fall apart. If you don't have a heart, then, then really you don't have any compassion for people. There's no heartbeat. There's no lifeblood. There's no source that that's just kind of coming through. Uh, and if you don't have the brain, you have no idea which direction you're going. You're just kind of wandering around in a big open space. So my question to you is this. What would be missing if you were missing? It takes so much to build a church. Uh, and to see a gospel impact, uh, and it's no different in the church of Philippi, just like it's no different 
right here in downtown Portland. So how has God gifted you for the work in his kingdom? We all play an influential part uh, in this church. So the big question is, is how are you going to use your gift set for God today? How are you going to use that? How are you going to make an impact uh, in this place for God? You know, Paul says in Philippians 1 and 6, and so if you skip a few books ahead, you'll see uh, the book of Philippians. And that's a, a letter that Paul writes to this church in Philippi. It's kind of like a, a follow-up letter that he would do and uh, he would write. And it was a very big deal for the church to receive a, a letter from kind of the, the founding God, the one that started this whole thing. And he says in Philippians 1 and 6, he says, And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Can we pray for that today? Can we pray that God will continue to move in this city and that we continue to see many things, uh, I'm sorry, many more uh, come to Jesus through, through us, through our relationships, through our life, uh, and how God has wired us because we know that one day he's going to bring it to all to completion. So let's pray for that today. Jesus, thank you for this day, God. Thank you for uh, this opportunity, Lord, that uh, you have given us just to come and worship uh, a risen Savior, a Savior that is in control, a Savior that, God, we can just rely on and that we can put our faith, our full faith and our full trust in you. So, God, thank you for that today. Lord, thank you for uh, this challenge that you've given us this week. Lord, help us to continue to pray and to uh, seek your uh, guidance, Lord, and your purpose for us Lord, in this life. God, we know that you have uniquely made us, uh, each and every one of us, very different. God, you have given us uh, some different gifts than, than others. And God, we just want to know, Lord, how you would have us to use those gifts for your kingdom, for your glory, and God, for your purpose. So Lord, that is our prayer today. Lord, we pray, God, for, uh, for every single person here. God, we pray that uh, you will help us to continue to have our life uh, shine in front of others. God, that we can just use uh, our lives and, God, the things that you have made us for, for your kingdom and for your glory. And, and it's all in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys want to keep your heads bowed with me as we continue to reflect, uh, we're about to kind of move into the second part of our portion of worship, uh, and that's communion. Uh, and this is an opportunity where we can, you know, take of the body and take of the blood of Jesus as we reflect on what he's done for us. Um, the same thing that he did for the people in Philippi, uh, he has done for us. Uh, and this is an opportunity for all those that have committed their life to Jesus, all those that are following Jesus to, to take of his body and his blood and to remember what he has done for us and to, and to reflect on that. Uh, so I just encourage you in this time to, to continue to rest in his presence. Uh, he is here in this moment. Uh, he is alive and he is well and he's a person to be known. Uh, so I just encourage you to commune with him and meditate with him in this time. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can gather together. We thank you that we can worship you and praise you. Uh, Lord, uh, thank you for all that you've done. It's in your holy name we submit to you. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast of Spring of Life Church, where our mission is to invite thirsty people to become disciples of Jesus. For more information or to plan a visit to our church in Portland, visit us at springoflifepdx.com.